0: Hello guys, welcome to the Not The Top 20 podcast. My name's Ali Maxwell. Next to me, George Ellick. We are talking about the EFL and all who sails within her. George, uh, before we get going, we've got something to talk about. We, uh, we challenged our followers on Twitter and those of you who do follow us on Twitter might remember this from last Monday we challenge you to tweet us an EFL player that you think is nailed on to play in the top division uh, to reach the very top play Champions League football possibly England we know so many of the current England squad have come from the EFL, have played in the EFL when when they were younger. And it's the sort of game that really gets people excited. Everyone wants to predict the one who's going to reach the top. And you replied in your droves. Uh, but It was a bit of a a cheeky one, wasn't it, George? Because we are kind of a a bit of crowdsourcing. uh, Because we've been getting quite into football index over the last few weeks. And that was a way of us using your knowledge... And our own to try and uh, to try and do a bit of f- football stocks and shares. So <laughs> yeah. talk us through it.
1: Well, I mean, we we want to be careful here, not by um, you know cluttering you guys with with commercials and the like. But we have partnered up with Football Index, which is a product that you and I both really like. And uh, anyone who doesn't know who they are, um, despite their, their marketing that you see basically everywhere in football. John Motson's and involved. A, a, a... Yeah, again Balagay as well. Have a, have a quick look, uh, either on your phone or online. Um, it's, as Ali said, it's, you can basically buy and sell shares of footballers. And for me and you, this is basically tailor-made for us. And I think for fans <laughs> of the EFL, it's also very, very interesting because it means that when we are the people who are spotting these young talents we can actually put our money where our mouth is when we say this guy is going to play in the Premier League. We can actually buy shares in him, which means that when he does play in the Premier League, not only can you show your mates and say, look, I told you so, yeah. but you can also pocket a pretty penny as well. And when you think that, you know, I think it was only three or four players from the England's World Cup squad in the summer had never played EFL football. That just shows you the potential that is in this league. And obviously these guys are very cheap at the moment. So we took the players you sent us to Football Index and we said, can you get these guys put up there? They're now up there as well. So you've got a host of EFL players, including you know the best of League One's talent as well. So yeah,
0: We've, we've got a couple of League Two players in there. I know that uh, Reese Brown of Forest Green Uh, was put up, I know that, uh, well, I know firsthand that James Justin uh, is involved, because he's very much part of my portfolio, Uh, and and a whole host of championship talent, I mean, uh, you know, you were talking about those rising up to the Premier League, and and in that sense, uh, it is an investment, Uh, if we'd been doing this last year, George, imagine the money we could have made on Madison Harvey Barnes players like that so if you did tweet us uh, with a young player head to Football Index see if that young player is, uh, is on the market because as you say the, due to their nature being players in the Football League they're not currently a uh, very high price
1: yeah and naturally the way that um, you know read the T's and C's when you sign up if you sign up but there's a uh, the price goes up so you want to buy them low, their price goes up and then you can sell your, sell your dividends for a profit that's the aim anyway um, but and uh, um, we have you covered as ever yes. at Not the Top Twenty Pod. We've similar to the Black Type offer in the uh, betting show. We have an offer for you here as well, where if you put in NTT Twenty when you sign up to Football Index, you get uh, in, and you deposit twenty pounds, you get matched with a free twenty quid. So if you just want to sign up and have a go, you deposit twenty quid, then you'll get another twenty on top with which you can purchase the players that you like. And also, it's worth pointing out if, if there's any players out there anyone listening and you are convinced that they are stars for the future just drop us a dm drop us a tweet and we'll speak to the guys there and get them pressed up for you as well so fingers crossed this is something that we can continue to speak to you guys about in the future um you know we're as i say we're careful not to bombard you with commercial stuff but it's a product that we both really like and i think it's something that together hopefully given that we're all shrewdies in the efl and we know exactly who's going to make it big um, hopefully it's uh, it's something that we can all make a couple of quid from as well.
0: Yeah, also, given, given how much it's grown over the last few years, I remember playing, uh, starting to play a few years ago when I was at university and it's got so big now. I know that there are people who genuinely do this football index traders um, pretty much full time. Uh, so if there's any of you who, who are already traders, big football index traders, get in touch with us. Uh, any any hints and tips that you can share with our followers, we'll happily retweet. Any media or content that you do, um, we're happy to share as well. And yeah, any tips, because I know about football, but I don't know much about stocks and shares really, so it, it's a nice way of, of getting to learn that as well. As George mentioned, it's just, uh, if you want to sign up on footballindex.co.uk, uh, the referral code is NTT20, uh, and Any deposit to start with of of £20 or more, uh, you'll get £20 to invest in whoever you want. My current portfolio, if you're interested, uh, Adam Webster, Reese James, Sam Field, uh, Saeed Benrahma, John McGinn, and the big one for me, James Justin. I'm going all in on on Justin being a Premier League player within the next few years. And
1: it's worth pointing out you get more points if the players are playing top-tier football. So, for example, I think Benrahma is an unbelievably good buy. Um, at the moment because he's obviously very good at football and it would be a big surprise <laughs> to me if he's not playing top-tier football somewhere in Europe in the next kind of 18 months or so. But, you know, let's, let's move on now. We yeah. don't want to bombard you, but that's something that we are interested in and, and hopefully if it's something that sounds up your street as well, the offer code will help you start your football index experience.
0: We're going to head straight into the championship now for our football chat. Um, we'll start at the top because it's getting to that stage of the season where... It's very difficult, as much as we like to touch on everything. um, This is where the focus is. This is where the uh, excitement is at the top and at the bottom as well. So at the top of the championship, Norwich now out in front on their own. Uh, They got the win against Ipswich in the Old Farm Derby. Leeds drew with Middlesbrough. Sheffield United drew with Aston Villa. Uh, But if you're just looking at the results, you're not really getting the full story. Uh, George, the, the Old Farm Derby, Sunday lunchtime. You texted me after two minutes of this game when Ipswich... Uh, when Norwich rather had gone 1 0 up through Onel Hernandez, you said this could be a bloodbath. Uh, in the end, it, it wasn't necessarily a bloodbath. 3 uh, 0 to Norwich, and that speaks to the fact that Ipswich did remain competitive. From an Ipswich side, this game, to me, an absolute microcosm summing up their season in a nutshell.
1: Well, especially with Freddie Sears now out for nine months, oh, which, uh, which doesn't help. But, horrible, horrible. Uh, I mean, it was more of a bloodbath in the in the literal sense, in terms of the, uh, the anger and the tempers that, uh, that flared in this derby. Um, if you had told me before the match that uh, Ipswich would enjoy more possession than Norwich, that they would have more shots than Norwich, I'd have been pretty surprised. That's crazy. But I wouldn't have been surprised. I, I think the only way that could possibly have happened is, is due to the game state by Norwich going one up after two minutes. Yeah. Um, but I wouldn't have been at all surprised by by the result um It's it was. It's fitting that this will probably be the last Old Farm Derby that we see in the league for a long while. Uh, that's unless I mean Norwich make a swift return or, or don't manage to get promoted, or if, or if Ipswich manage to uh, to return up to up to the Championship pretty quickly. Because I think we can all agree that they are destined uh, for League One. So no surprise with the scoreline. I mean Ipswich continue to to. Be,
0: be fairly desperate, um, you have to say. Uh, a lot of possession, wasn't... as you say. It wasn't. It didn't feel like quality possession at times, did it? The midfield players, I thought, played fine, played well, received the ball, kept the ball, moved the ball forward. But in the final third, just real lack of cohesion, a real lack of quality on the ball, of, of good movement off it and of, of any sort of execution when it came to a final ball or even a, a shot... Um, and that's of course the opposite of what you see from Norwich so that the, the, the golfing class was there of course at the back Ipswich prone to individual errors uh, a, real, a real lack of pace we saw I mean Luke Chambers trying to get across to stop Pookie's shot it was like he was running in slow motion it kind of summed things up uh, at both end for Ipswich from a Norwich point of view uh, not their best performance the fans certainly recognising that but still an unbelievably happy day Zimmerman uh, was sensational at the back he won man of the match a, a, a true captain's performance and, and what he was doing, um, sort of, <laughs> I guess, in terms of what was going on with all the with all the angriness, with all the scuffles, was almost as as important as anything else. Calming everyone down, making sure that Buendia, for example, um, who was getting clattered every time he got the ball, uh, was not boiling over because they need them uh, for the for the coming game. So Buendia I want to touch on uh, Georgia. There's an apology coming from me, actually. <laughs> Go on. First, I'd say that. Uh, his two assists for the Puki goals went massively under the radar, I think. And you know we love our, our great friends at Sky Sports but uh, and, and, and the commentary team, as ever, sensational. But I felt like he could have got more credit for those two assists. The, the weight of pass for both of them, absolutely perfect. Of course, for the second, he had uh, intercepted a pass as well and, and that really created the opportunity for Puki. You said on the Sky Sports Transfer Talk podcast a few weeks ago um, that... Emmy Buendia could play in the, in the Premier League. No complaints from me there. But you said some people call him the Championship Messi... And I messaged you, and I said, "Do you know what, George? We're not very clickbaity, and i, I feel like that's too much." Think, and you went,
1: "Well, I think, I think you said that you were—you were quitting the pod, <laughs> or like
0: you were, uh, yeah. you were, disowning, disowning the me." Yeah, that's my own exaggeration there. I would never quit the pod, of course. But I was a bit disappointed because I was like, "I've never heard that." He's not, you know, he's definitely not. You can't mention Messi and Buendia in, in the same sentence. But I completely, a uh, complete vault fast for me. I've, I've completely changed. <laughs> Um, he is the championship Messi. Uh, I used to hate that nickname. And now, you know, I'm, I mean, I'm, calling, love him, it. I'm you... calling him La Pulga now. You're, you're, you're coining it. <laughs> I'm waiting for him to play in World Cups and Champions League finals. Um, sensational performance from him. Um, I thought Trevor Chalaber played well in, in midfield for Ipswich. Um, our friend Connor Rowden, who, who's the youth football expert to we done podcasts with before, uh, pointing out that you know it's easy to forget that chalaba would say and many others would too that, that center back is his true position so um to f- to perform so well on and off the ball in central midfield i thought was a um, a boon what about paul lambert uh, george there, there's now stats would tell you uh, that paul lambert's record as ipswich manager worse than paul hurst's record as ipswich manager um now i don't know whether you sort of think about that with a bit of a wry smile given the perception of the two managers or whether you think you, you know that's an unfair comparison to make but i, I find it interesting he, he obviously has done so much right uh, in, in how he's um dealt with the fans and tried to gather everyone round despite the inevitable promotion and he did that from the start bringing in old legends and asking their advice and making it all very public good pr mm. i would say that perhaps well, paul Har- w-
1: well it was needed paul hart paul Hurst,
0: <laughs> Don't, don't uh, possibly <laughs> possibly, uh, maybe could be accused of being not as PR savvy as uh, as Paul Lambert. Well, what think, do you think of that? I think
1: that's right. Um, I mean, uh, I think everyone uh, involved would would probably, except for Paul Hurst, would probably point at um, Hurst having to take some of the blame for the continued bad form. Um, I, I personally think that, and I know a lot of Ipswich fans will disagree with this, um, I reckon they'd be on more points if they'd persisted with Hurst. Um, I think that it's easy to forget that the performances for the first six or seven games weren't actually that bad. They they, they were unlucky not to pick up a couple of wins in those games uh, before the, the slide began. Um, now there seems to be the idea that Ipswich have somewhat picked up their performances. Um, I, I haven't really seen that. They're still going to struggle to score goals. I think Alan Judge has. I was doubtful about his qualities. Now after his injury problems um, coming in has been a bit positive. I think he was their best player uh, yesterday. Um, and gives him at least some attacking impetus and now that Freddie Sears has gone you have to really wonder where the goals are going to come from um, so it's, it's absolutely desperate and, and I think that Paul Lambert's in a position now which is quite handy where he literally can't be that bad because it's been so poor all season. Mm. So long as he keeps the fans on side with what he says, I think what happens on the pitch isn't particularly important and everyone's now
0: gearing towards the next season. That's that's a good point. The the way I framed the good PR question um, was almost sort of putting Lambert down, I suppose, and maybe trying to back up Paul Hurst a bit. But at the same time, it's a part of the role, isn't it? It's an important part of the role because how the fans perceive you and how that can, uh, how that can contribute to the atmosphere of the club or to its detriment, uh, if, they, if they go against you early, uh, makes a huge difference after a relegation because there's one thing we know that part the first obstacle when you're relegated is... Are the players and management staff going to be essentially welcome here uh, from now on? Are the fans blaming them for relegation? Well, it feels like at this stage paul lambert won 't take the blame and'll be able to continue with his work heading into next season which uh, which is which is great but which think, is good, which is a positive for the club
1: but the, the big thing is is next season um, if he they have players in their squad who you know, still aren 't necessarily performing i you know Nolan had a, another poor game on Sunday and Siala's on the bench Jackson on the bench as well so but these are guys who have proven themselves in League One um, under a different manager and you have to wonder given Lambert's transfer policy in uh, January is it going to be tearing it all up again and ignoring the fact that they have these young talents? Um, next season's going to be huge for is a, a massive club who are going to be, as we've seen with Wigan, Blackburn, Sunderland, that's going to be one of those clubs in League One who come down and are a huge fish in a small pond. Then it could easily and it should easily galvanise the club. It should be a massive thing for them to say like, right, this is rock bottom. We've been knocking on the door of relegation for three or four years now from the Championship. This is where we get we, we regroup. We get the fans back on side by winning football matches and scoring goals. But you have to. I personally um, don't necessarily see the structure in place at the moment, especially with with the ownership issues, to see them do that.
0: Norwich are scoring goals, Norwich are winning matches, Norwich are top of the championship. They've lost just two games since the end of August in the league. In this championship, um, with what we perceive to be not that much between a lot of the teams, that is absolutely sensational and they are rightfully at the top. Uh, A word for Daniel Farker, Uh, what a sensational job he continues to do. Um, he is ably assisted, of course, by Stuart Webber, the director of football. We spoke about him, the sporting director, I should say, spoke about him on the podcast last Monday. Um, since then, I've watched a, a wonderful interview uh, that Connor Southwell, a Norwich fan, did with Stuart Webber, which is well worth anyone's time, an hour and a half of a sporting director speaking with honesty, the sort of interview we look for in our NTT 20 meet series. Brilliantly done from Connor and just a a, much, a must watch, a must listen, I think, um, from for, for any fan let alone um, let alone a Norwich fan so get involved with that Daniel Farker as you can imagine so proud of the lads um, <laughs> no, Middlesbrough Leeds wasn't your best that. no uh, I, I bottled it Middlesbrough Leeds 1-1 this was an interesting game I watched this one uh, George I thought that Middlesbrough were fantastic for the first 60-65 minutes and and, and not just defensively, although they did frustrate Leeds, who had very little going forward for the majority of the game. Um, But actually, they were set up in a way that allowed them to create chances pretty much whenever they won the ball, uh, Middlesbrough. And John Obi McHale, more often than not, was winning it. Uh, And Lewis Wing was part of everything good going forward. So I was really impressed for Borough, but just not for the full game. Um, They have an incredible record of seeing out Leeds. So I'm certainly not going to tell Tony Pulis that this is the wrong thing to do. But that he, he does have the tendency to make defensive change after defensive change to the point where you'll have essentially five defenders, four midfielders, and then a Somba up front. Now, generally this season, that has worked. They've seen out games when they've gone ahead. Um, they're one of the best in the league at that. It didn't work against Leeds, whose fitness, uh, whose drive under Bielsa kept them going and, and got their, their late winner. Um, not much else to add, though. Um, Sheffield United-Aston Villa Friday night was an unbelievable game wasn't it i mean just in terms of of comebacks and considering what we'd seen in the first 80 minutes um where sheffield united were irresistible uh, uh, another reminder that this league is the greatest in the world
1: well it's just a ridiculous game um i mean aston villa are are uh, <laughs> it's hard to really describe them they're kind of the the entertainers definitely of yeah. the of the league um if they're not scoring goals, that they're conceding them, but they seem to be able to come kind of forward with real quality. Uh, they definitely didn't deserve this point at all. Um, Dean Henderson uh, has a lot to answer for. I mean, he's been fantastic for 18 months now for both Shrewsbury and, and Sheffield United. So he's allowed a couple of mistakes, but this was really, really poor at an important time for the club. Um, it's, I mean, I, I personally don't look at it too negatively. Uh, I think. So
0: you don't think conceding three in the last 10 in the manner that they did will have an impact going forward i think it's going to be a huge ask for the players
1: and the manager to to get them back up for it i thought it was, i was really interested i was waiting with bated breath to see how chris wilder was going to cope with this because knowing him um they'd have got a bit of a roasting in the uh, after the game but he came out and, and said credit to the players we were fantastic we came to a really difficult place to play and we were you know really good for the, to, to get three 0 up, which is interesting because I think that shows that he's got an idea of, of just what the team are doing and the potential about what they're about to achieve. And to go to Villa Park and get a point away from home is still a point on that road, a point that he probably would have taken before the game. So it's undeniably going to be hard to pick up the team after that. And, and Henderson, I'm sure, would have had been pretty upset after the game. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, they, they outplayed a team, a very well-assembled team, a very expensively assembled team. Um, and were were complete value for their 3-0 win. I was surprised not to see them slightly go for the jugular at 1-0. I think the game was there for the taking, which sounds surprising given they then went 3-0 up, but they did sit back and both goals did did spring on the counter after a a mesmerising first 25 minutes of football where they completely dominated Villa. Um, It seemed bizarre not to continue in that vein. Um, But, you know, I I still think they've got a huge, huge part to play in this and people who are saying they're now going to fall away after that I think, are going to be proved wrong. Yeah,
0: they've got Middlesbrough in midweek, um, back at home. Uh, I, I'm sort of inclined to agree with you in in this psychological sense. I don't see this leading to them just suddenly playing nervously, let's say, against Borough uh, in midweek. But that, that remains to be seen. They are generally a team that understands their system, that plays with confidence, uh, in the system, confidence on the ball, and I don't see that being massively shaken by the concession of those late goals. So, despite the 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 amazingness of it and the excitement in general, uh, I think we're both feeling fairly positive about Sheffield United. For Villa, the the the, the issues are the same. Um, A really really poor. Couldn't couldn't sort of get control of the game. Couldn't keep control of the game. Um, and you know if. <laughs> again, not to be rude, they showed great character and and some ability to come back and, and capitalise on those mistakes from Sheffield United. But um, again, a bit like Sheffield United, Villa scoring three late goals doesn't, I don't think, make us think that that they are now on course to, to sort of blast their way up to promotion. That they, they've still got a few weeks until Jack Grealish comes back from injury and then I think we will we'll will be watching with interest, but it could be too late by that point. Um I think what we can agree with is that Mila Jedinak uh, that might be the last we see of him in a Villa shirt. Uh, he got the start a little surprising at the base of the midfield and the game passed him by completely. Uh, Glenn, when Glenn Whelan coming on is, is considered sort of the, the, the move that changed the game and, and allowed you to get a bit more, uh, a bit more solidity, then uh, you know that, that the starter has not done much of a job there. Um, let's not forget West Bromwich Albion. They went to Stoke and won one nil. They're within two points of Sheffield United, who are third. They're within five points of Leeds. They've got a game in hand over them uh, and in Norwich as well. George, how impressive is a 1-0 win at Stoke at the moment? Uh, how, how impressed are you with, with West Brom at the moment?
1: It's a difficult question. <laughs>
0: um, Good. I, I think at the moment, this Stoke
1: team, except for the, the Leeds result, are, are really struggling. And so it's hard to therefore place much... Um, it's, it's still going to be a difficult place to go. They've still got a very good squad, but it's hard to really um, say that this is a result that, that changes my mind against West Brom. I still very much have them as the fourth team in, in the title race. Um, just having seen them play a fair bit this season, given they're on Sky most weeks, <laughs> and uh, and just thinking that they remain just just worse than they should be, that, that some of their parts, the football they play is, is, is fairly stale. You, we rarely see much creative spark from them, and I still believe that when push comes to shove, um, their manager just isn't of the same qualities as the managers that he's going up
0: against. It's interesting because that's been one of the things I've seen from Baggies fans this weekend was, well, everyone's perception is that Darren Moore uh, against the top managers, tactically lacking. But, um, you know, it, it was for some, a tactical masterclass on Saturday against Nathan Jones. Now, Jones hasn't had long with that Stoke team, of course, but it is interesting um, that when you look at West Brom's record against the top teams, it's actually pretty good. They've won away at, at Norwich, away at Sheffield United. They, they obviously beat Leeds at home and still have them to play uh, away from home. So but it, it, it's possible that that perception might start to change. Um, at the same time, I kind of see where you're coming from because when we see a team with the quality that they have and when you watch that team with your eyes it doesn't quite stack up i think we both agree that and and this is asking a lot of course this is this is high expectations but we both think they could be better right so that's that's where i think the question marks over over darren moore come from but no denying that that he's turned the team around after relegation and as teams dealing with relegation go they've done about as well as anyone else i can think of over the last few years and they're in a very very strong position at the moment um a, a lot of stoke fans or some stoke fans i should say um getting pretty tired of, of nathan jones already it seems we should say not um the stoke fans whose opinions we fancy uh, but it is interesting isn't it that i said this about steve bruce on efl matters the other day even when you come in uh, to take over a side in january february with no expectations of promotion and no real threat of relegation, even though it, some would call that a free hit, it is still possible to turn the fans against you in those few months. I mean, I would, I would point at Paul Heckingbottom at Leeds last year as an example. Um, even without any particular expectations and with essentially a mid-table finish being likely, what you do in those times, it, it can still come back to bite you, which can seem a little harsh. I mean, we would, I'm sure, say to Stoke fans just be patient yeah definitely
1: Jordan. definitely be patient i mean the the only concern at the moment which which is a, a valid one is that the players some of the players who he's taken on this job from probably have no idea who he is probably have a bit of an ego and probably aren't really that keen on playing for him but those players will not be at the club next season they're the issue um you only have to have a look at what's going on at Luton to understand um, the impact that this guy can have, so
0: fallen out of favour there very quickly, hasn't he? That that divorce has not gone well. No, Nathan and uh, Nathan Jones and Luton Town, uh, which is sad, which is sad. But yeah, I mean, I, I actually thought Vokes showed how he could be quite good in this system on the weekend. He missed a few chances, um, but I thought it was clear to me that he's he will be a big part of this team next year under Jones, and he can be a very good part of this team. Uh, with James McLean up front with him, clearly not the one that, um, clearly not a role that suits him. So there's a, there's there's sort of square pegs in round holes at the moment. I was impressed with the right-back Tom Edwards. His delivery was excellent. Um, and uh, you just have to sort of try desperately to just give a little bit of time. I know it's difficult when the atmosphere is bad, when you're tired of losing, when you're tired of poor performances from the same set of players. Um, but... Any more managerial changes aren't going to make a difference. This is not Nathan Jones's fault. Uh, it's early days. Bristol City won their sixth game in a row, their fifth win to nil in that run. They went to Blackburn, who are so good at home, of course, uh, and won one nil. At Webster man of the match at the back. What a shock that is not. Um, they march on, really, don't they? And, and a poor performance from Blackburn uh, certainly contributed to this. I know that the fans, quite rightly, uh, under Tony Mowbray, they, they kind of expect to win their home games against almost anyone. Uh, and and it's one of those side, sort of sliding doors matches that you get at this stage of the season with so many teams bunched up in mid-table that a, a win would have put Blackburn a point behind Bristol City. Um, but they lost. It's now a seven-point gap. And, and And you have to say for Blackburn now, any sort of playoff hope uh, very much over for Bristol City certainly still alive we've spoken about them a lot in the next few weeks and if this run continues we will continue to do so they're big rivals at the moment for sixth spot are Derby I thought they got maybe the underrated win of the weekend uh, George against Hull partly because there's been concerns about about Derby over the last few weeks and months about whether on balance of play and on on the chances that they create and the chances that they give up. Uh, Certainly the underlying performance data, um, not reflective of of necessarily a playoff team. Um, But Hull came to town, uh, a very good Hull team, who are in very good form. And after a great chance for Grosicki was missed early on, um, Derby just sort of shut this game down, didn't they? Uh, Some great finishes from Waghorn, filling in for, for Marriott, who's injured. Uh, the centre backs Tamori and Keo were were excellent, and Tom Huddleston pulling strings from the base of midfield. Do you remember? Cast your mind back to deadline day. He's not at Udinese, is he? You, we're in the middle of the Did Sky Sports News studios, <laughs> uh, which is a, a name drop or whatever you call it. But and someone's just gone. Um, can you go on and talk about Tom Huddleston to Udinese? We thought it was a we thought it was a wind up <laughs> at the same time.
1: Yeah, it feels like no, that. I mean, that transfer must have come and gone very, very quickly. Um, almost, How just, good would that almost have been, just put out into the uh, yeah into the consciousness just to get people <laughs> talking about the headline day. Uh, never, of course, we're not suggesting that was the case at all. He would have been a fantastic deep line midfielder in the slow-paced city. Ah, um, but Derby very happy that he was playing for them on uh, on Saturday, and and I think this is a really really big result for Derby. And um, I, you know, with Bristol City picking up the points the way they're going, I had this Derby um, team as one on the slide. So to, to beat one of the form teams in the league and doing so with a, with a degree of confidence um, and a degree of dominance is really, really important for Frank Lampard's Derby.
0: Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, that, that's what I, that's kind of what I was touching on with the, this sort of underrated performance. It wasn't one that got a lot of the headlines this weekend. Uh, but I'm sure Derby fans who were at the game um, left feeling... Really positive about the next few weeks, and um, and and certainly a, a playoff push, very much still alive. At QPR three, Birmingham four, another completely mad game. I feel like, I just feel like this this league gets better and better each year. Um, maybe it's because it's in our interest for that to be the case. But I mean, this was ridiculous. Jay Adams scored a hat trick in like forty minutes. Um, <laughs> Birmingham were four 0 up in the first half, and then Matt Smith, who is the human wrecking ball, pulls one back forty five plus one, and and that's just I just love this bit of football. It's four one at half time. QPR fans like mostly furious, and yet because of that goal just before half time, they go in thinking, I mean maybe chance maybe and then it's 4-3 by the 80th minute and at that point you think well yeah definitely Um, they win a pen and they miss the pen Lee Camp the hero and I have certainly been critical of Lee Camp this year I think
1: everyone who's ever seen him play
0: football has been critical of Lee Camp so it's only fair to point out that he made something like eight saves in this game including a late penalty save to give the points um, to Birmingham, absolutely sensational. What else did I like from this game? Matt Smith won 20 headers, 20 aerial battles. It was like trebuchet stuff, just launching <laughs> it in. Uh, it was it was a, a, a wonderful game to watch, I must say. Now, one of the questions I want to ask you off the back of this, and someone tweeted us asking this, is Che Adams the best overall striker in the league? So we understand that he's not the top scorer at the moment, but overall striker in the league, what do you think
1: possibly i mean I think it's hard to look past Gael and, and Rodriguez given what they've actually done in the game and, and it's important to reiterate and repeat that Shea Adams is very much currently going through a massive hot uh, hot streak like there's just no I, he's very very good his potential is massive um but I'm afraid to say you do not turn into a very good striker into one of the best strikers in the country in a run of games. Um, this run isn't going to continue. I, I had a tweet from a, a Birmingham fan during the game saying, "You said he was, his form was going to continue. He's just got a hat trick." Well, yeah, I mean, it's, it's fantastic, but he's not—he's <laughs> not going to turn into a an, an a goal a game striker like this. The goals he scores are unbelievably good, uh, which is worth pointing out. He's definitely creating chances for himself, which is important, rather than just being, a, you know, the, so the that product plays of a into
0: all round striker. Of course, it? he of can create for
1: himself, absolutely. But then I'd say that Gale is someone who, as well who goes into teams who don't necessarily create a great deal in the championship and score a lot of goals that Newcastle team for example wasn't one that necessarily created chance after chance yet he was so prolific so Gail um,
0: create and Sharp and Abraham sort of guys that create chances via their movement but then there's an, there's an extra skill that Adams has which I think they don't have in the same abundance which is being able to create on the ball off the dribble as to, they would say totally in
1: agree but then I would have all the ones you've just mentioned I'd have Abraham Sharp and and, and Gail by miles as, as better kind of poachers and finishers yeah. so um he's a huge talent and a really exciting one as well and it's great to see him flourish at the moment as he is um but just a little bit of you know let's just let's just calm. remember yeah a little bit of calm um he's probably going to get a move uh to the premier league it'll be interesting to see how he does he's you know a fantastic prospect um but let's just he's he's going through the at the moment a bit of a career defining streak and let's not put, put too much pressure on him to for that to continue Um, as he is, because inevitably that's going to drop off a little bit.
0: This is the most sensational top goal scorer battle. And and we have to talk about it. We've mentioned it a few times, but it's got even better over the last few weeks. I mean, Billy Sharp is at the top with 22 goals. That's already more goals than last season's top scorer Vidra got. Vidra got 21, I think it was. There's still 15 games to go uh, of the regular season. And it's not just that Sharp is the sort of standout goal scorer. Last year, it was a bit rubbish, wasn't it? It was basically Vidra and Graben. Graben was scoring goals for Villa, previously for Sunderland, and he didn't feel like a great goal scorer. Now you've got Sharp on 22, Puki on 20, Abraham on 20, Jay Adams, 19, Mopai the early season top scorer, 17, Dwight Gale and Jay Rodriguez on 16 and 15, and Bowen and Graben as well on 15. And then you get to Roof, on 14 McBurney on 13 so so many good goal scorers just to bring in uh our betting show sponsors black time at the moment Billy Sharp uh, the favorite 13 to 8 Timu Puki, 14 to 5 Tammy Abraham 3 to 1 Che Adams 13 to 2 we're already on Abraham aren't we from earlier in the season I think it's it, it, I think we're allowed to say that we yeah. spoke about it at the time mm. Are you still quite happy to be on Abraham or would you rather be on say Pookie or Sharp at this stage?
1: It's really hard to say. I mean I I think Sharp is an interesting one, um but I think he's a he's a vulnerable favourite. Not because he doesn't score goals, because <laughs> he's a goal scorer extraordinaire, but purely because of the amount of, of strikers that Sheffield United have got. That if they're approaching um, areas and times and games where they're not making a breakthrough, he could easily be one to make way for the likes of Scott Hogan, uh, Dave McGoldrick, um, all these players that they they have on their bench at the moment. So, at thirteen to eight, I'd, I'd probably want to take him on. Um, Tammy's one who's gonna you know is gonna get minutes in a team that you know is gonna score goals. So, mm. it'd be between him and Pookie for me. And and with with Pookie, he's you know, he's got to be one of the players of the season in the championship, but there's still just this nagging doubt in my head as to whether he's actually any good. Um, so for that reason, I'd have to, uh, I'd have to go
0: for, for Tammy. Uh, nice. Okay, good stuff. Um, a couple of other uh, championship winners that would we'll just rustle through. Games that we've decided were not as important and we apologise for that. Uh, Forest beat Brentford. This was a, this was a good game. Both teams, I think it's fair to say, had some, some good attacking moments. It, it could have been, a three-all draw, a two-all draw, a pretty even. Um, and and uh, in the end, an impressive victory for Forrest. They were helped by um, some howlers. Mm, howlers might be going a bit too far. Some mistakes from Dan Bentley. Uh, for me, just a, a real weak spot still in this Brentford side, just in terms of his pure goalkeeping skills. I know that he's excellent on the ball and his distribution is good. He's got an excellent throw on him. But too often for me, you watch a goal that Brentford concede and you think, what, what, why was Bentley there? Or... Could Bentley have done more there? So that was a, a shame for Brentford. They played some good stuff. They were missing Rico Henry, uh, the left wing back. So Odubajo, right-footed, playing left wing back. You can see that that affects the way that they, you know, play those combinations out wide. It, it just affects um, the whole system. So uh, great for Forrest. Lolly was excellent as ever, as you can expect. A uh, bit of a makeshift defence. Milosevic coming in for his debut. Um, played well and great I think for us to see Ryan Yates get a start he's one of those guys we've spoken about as a loanee at Notts County and then Scunthorpe in glowing terms so fantastic to see him get a chance and hopefully that'll be the first of many a lot of people pointing out that he's the type of guy Roy Keane could really get his teeth into Swansea beat Millwall just about Uh, Jake Cooper could and probably should have um, equalised right at the end Uh, George Byers and Matt Grimes the key men for Swansea and we can't not mention the Preston away days. I'm going to give up the pod and just go full-time Preston, I think. <laughs> just a full-time North Ender. Um, sensational. As the, it, always rem- it just reminded me when I saw that Brown had scored as well um, away from home. We got a few tweets, which, which was very, very funny. It just reminded me of that, um, that Alan Partridge clip that you see where he goes, this is great banter. It really <laughs> is. Um, and it really is. But um, Jordan story and Ben Davis marshalling things superbly. Um, they missed a lot of chance in this game. So that probably wasn't as fun uh, as some of the last few games. But get in touch, Preston fans. Are you enjoying this as much as I am? League One, George, not a vintage weekend of League One football, but a big game it was at the Cassam. And it was a one-all draw, which on the face of it seems a bit of an anti-climax to me. Talk me through that game. It definitely Plenty didn't... of different... Branches of discussion to go down here Uh, just talk me through the day
1: uh, it definitely didn't feel like an anticlimax when we scored I'll tell you that much (laughs) Um, it was a a feeling of of relief that I haven't really it was weird it was like a feeling of massive relief for like 45 seconds and then just the immense frustration just returned because it was just annoying it wasn't a winner Uh, yeah it was it was a bizarre game Um, I now know uh, we've had many tweets in recent weeks from fans who've watched their teams get beaten or draw with Sunderland and, and tweet us saying we don't really understand what's just happened. Um, it was pretty similar to that again. Oxford squandered three fantastic chances early on uh, to take the lead. John McLaughlin was unquestionably the man of the match. Um, pulling off one one very good save from Jamie Mackey, although I still don't know really well understand how he managed to get so little power on a, on a free header like that. But even so, it was a good save. Uh, another good save from James Henry in the second half. Um, and they scored, I think they had two shots all game. One was kind of a scuffed 30 yard from Ed McGeady that was just picked up by Simon Eastwood, and the other was the goal. Uh, Jimmy Dunn heading in uh, after beating John Massino in the air from a corner. The second half was just relentless one-way traffic from Oxford, um, creating chances pretty easily. J- uh, James Henry missed a really good chance from about eight yards out a free header where he managed to kind of head it backwards by mistake. Um, and it just felt like it was going to be one of those days. And I just sat there, just I was thinking to myself given what I've said about Sunderland this season, this was the worst possible thing that could happen. I'd rather they turned up and absolutely battered us because this was exactly what I feared. <laughs> it was, a, it was a, a, bore, a boring team playing terrible football. Not, It's just incredible how a team with that much quality in it, how the likes of... Why uh, is it boring? it's it's route one it's it's mindless you know the only the only the only outlet in the first half was McGeady to his credit stays unbelievably wide yeah and it means the outboard is just go along over McGeady's head and he had the complete beating of, of Jamie Hansen unsurprisingly mm. um, and so it was a, su- a surprise when they took him off after an hour but this isn't you know I'm sure there'll be a couple of touchy Sunderland fans out there but generally all the responses that they're you know the, the fans themselves aren't happy about it um, I've texted a couple of people today just saying there have to be question marks over Jack Ross like how can a manager with this amount of talent have a team who, who you know they've scored every a goal every game this season fine but just the style of football itself just doesn't play into the hands of the talent they have like Max Power and, and Ledbetter should be a really really strong uh, ball playing midfield too with Honeyman in front as well three really technically gifted players they're completely bypassed I mean Ledbetter his heat map would have been near basically as a centre back um, a couple of really good balls from him, a great corner from the goal and a couple of really nice spread balls out wide as well, just showing his qualities. Um, I, I, yeah, I'm, having seen what I saw from Sunderland, I'll be continue to get against them for the rest of the season. Um, Oxford, again, I, I think if Oxford played Sunderland for the rest of the season every game, I'm pretty sure we'd stay up comfortably. Um, and I think we will if we continue to, to play as we did. Um, I'm sure a lot of Sunderland fans out there and probably a lot of fans of, of other teams are thinking this is... You know, quite a salty reaction but the fact is that if we're in 21st and they're in 4th and I'm salty then that tells you what you need to know about the game
0: um, it's it's unbelievable that that, that Sunderland are currently 4th in the league they're, they're about to play Blackpool, Accrington and Gillingham at home uh, in the space of 7 days so it'll be really interesting to see A. how they get on uh, obviously and B. Um, the atmosphere in the stadium because oh, it's very rare that you'd go you know, three home games in a week—it's—it's—it's it's, it's brilliant. It's great for for fans. It's a good quirk of the schedule with some of their games being postponed and earlier on in the season. Uh, and all certainly games that they will be heavy favourites to win, or should be heavy favourites to win, based on league position, um, based on on strength of squad. But yeah, peculiar. They've drawn—they've f- drawn five of their last seven games, one-one. I think more than anything, their fans are just a bit bored of that scoreline. Um, but it, it is interesting, isn't it? Because on the one side, we've had people say because they've got something like nine games in the next 33 days or something. So they're absolutely packed schedule for the next month. On the one hand, some people say, it'll be great to build momentum. You know that's not a word I like. On the other hand, you'd say, tough in terms of squad rotation, tough or tiredness will set they up. They
1: have a massive squad. You know, Chris Maguire, not not on the uh, in the squad yeah, on Saturday. That's true. Um, Sterling, the Loney from Tottenham, not in the squad uh, either uh, over the weekend. So They have the squad to do it. And there's no denying the qualities there. Like there's if they play as they did on Saturday and they have done the last few weeks, there's not a chance they'll end up with nine points from those three games. But given the squad and given what's at their disposal, the fans have absolutely every right to demand they do. And this isn't about data. This isn't about any of that stuff. It's just watching this Sunderland team, not only are the results currently not good enough, but the style of football is also just absolutely ridiculous when you, give it, when you think that they should be stepping on the pitch every single game with a much better technically, technic, the technical ability of their players is higher than most other teams they're playing. You know, you're talking about Blackpool, Accrington, and and who is the third? Gillingham. And Gillingham. I mean, they should go into all three of those games on the front foot, dominating possession, dominating chances created, dominating absolutely every facet with the teams who are going there relying on counter-attacking football to try and get something out of it. And I can say with pretty much all confidence, that's just not going to happen. All those teams will get chances to score and Sunderland won't create enough. And Will Grigg, for four million quid, he barely touched the ball. On Saturday, and that's in no way his fault. It's just playing in a system that is not suited to having a player who comes alive in the box. He's going to be feeding off scraps. If things don't change, I'll be amazed if Greg scores more than five goals this season in the league.
0: Enough Sunderland, enough Oxford. Uh, Let's talk about Barnsley and Luton because they've pulled clear uh, because Portsmouth, Drew, Sunderland, Drew, Charlton, Drew. uh, All 1 1 draws, which means that now. Uh, I think it was two weeks ago today, uh, I saw on the Quest Highlights show, they pointed out, two weeks ago today there was something like five or six points between first place and fifth place. There's now 13 points between them, and that speaks to the fact that while some of these teams have dropped off, some of these teams drawing too many games, uh, Luton and Barnsley, quite the opposite. I've seen various different XG gatherers tweet, uh, so we're not sure of the exact numbers really, and you never can be with so many different models out there, but uh, Barnsley basically broke the XG season record for uh, in their win at Gillingham. Um, 4-1, sensational. Corley Woodrow and Kiefer Moore, uh, with three goals between them, they've scored 21 goals uh, between them in the last 17 matches uh, that they've both featured in. So you can see where their strengths lie. The, the best front two in the league, or, or so I thought, because looking at Luton an absolute embarrassment of riches was was proven again on the weekend by the fact that uh, Cummings came off the bench and, and played very well and set up George Moncur, also joined in January and also not a, a starter necessarily. Uh, came on and secured the win. If you look at Luton's bench on a Saturday, when the teams are announced, it, it does look stronger than, than any of their challengers. So um, they're looking very, very good for promotion. I think that's a, a very obvious thing to say, um, but it's worth saying. Luton are six points clear at the top of the league. Um, they are uh, nine points ahead of Portsmouth. They are 11 points ahead of Sunderland and they are 13 points ahead of Charlton now. Uh, various games in hand amongst them, but You'd rather have the points, wouldn't you? Uh, we should say at this point, get well soon to Kiefer Moore. It was a, a really horrible looking injury that he suffered, still waiting for an update. I know he's out of hospital as we record on Monday evening, but it was a, a really nasty injury. And it was a weird weekend across the EFL. I can't think of many weeks where there's been at least four games that got 10 minutes plus injury time Um in, uh, in them, uh, the Wigan game with Fox's injury. Leeds, obviously, with that really scary moment with Jack Clark on the bench, who seems to be okay, uh, which is great. Kiefer Moore's injury towards the end of, of the gillingham Barnsley game. And in Newport as well, they went plus 10. Um, and that is worrying. A lot of head injuries, but uh, hopefully everyone's okay. Uh, no one in the bottom 10, George, won in League One this weekend. So nothing gained, nothing lost, really, in the relegation scrap, I, I guess, a good thing from an Oxford point of view and, and from, from other yeah, I mean, fans of other teams down
1: there I think from everyone's point of view it keeps it ridiculously open which is which is fine it means that no one's uh, looking like they're uh, on rampant form we've seen uh, the clubs go through mini revivals uh, you know the Scunthorpe train continues to roll and you think they're probably just about out of it but uh, yeah Bristol Rovers failing to get another win um, and Plymouth as well. You know, it's a, it's a decent result for them, yep. um, maintaining their form against a, in a really tough game as well. So that's great to see Graham Carey. I mean, not only the skill, but the goal. I mean, he's yeah. been probably the biggest disappointment this season in League One. Mm. Um, the performance levels have just massively dipped from him. Uh, so to see him back with a the trademark set piece and and pulling out a piece of skill that I didn't know people his age even had heard of. It was was really
0: nice to see. Um, I think I I can pretty confidently say that if either of us tried that, there'd be somehow one of us would break a bone uh, trying to do that skill, break an ankle or something like that. Uh, Absolutely sensational! You can see it on our you can (laughs) see it on our Twitter account at NTT Twenty Pod. We shared it on Saturday night. Uh, Elsewhere in League One, uh, good win for Doncaster against against uh, Peterborough. Peterborough down to 10 men in the first half for the second week in a row, uh, really undermining their, their sort of start under their new start under Darren Ferguson. And they just seem to be a bit of an angry club at the moment, an angry team. You know, the owner can be a bit angry. Darren Ferguson, a bit touchy uh, before and after the game. Uh, and, and through all of it, Grant McCann, graceful swan-like, taking Donny <laughs> into the playoffs in, in the in the place of Peterborough, and, and we would expect that's where Doncaster will stay. We've spoken about them so much this season, but just so impressive um, throughout the park. And Fleetwood are my team to watch, uh, um, and they got a very good away win at Bradford uh, on the weekend, Fleetwood. They're just, if you look at Fleetwood starting 11, I've said it before, if you look at their starting 11, there's so much quality there, and there's so much it's it, it's a mixture of young talent and real experience and recognisable EFL names uh, and they look like they're really starting to come into some form. You could say the same, of course, about Scunthorpe who are somehow all the way up in 14th now, which is sensational, and other good wins for Coventry, uh, Burton and Blackpool. League Two is getting more and more exciting every week, George. I know this is your sort of well, I was going to say your naughty pleasure, but given we do a podcast about the EFL, you probably can't call <laughs> one of the three leagues. I think
1: this is where most people just switch off, So that which is a shame.
0: <laughs> Stay! Absolutely not. Stay. Well, uh, tell us why it's getting more exciting every week, George. I mean, you had Notts County, the bottom club, winning at fourth place, Forest Green. Uh, at the top of the table, uh, Lincoln drew, Mansfield lost, Berry won. Uh, and Colchester went from seventh to fourth with a win. Well, that's. I think
1: Colchester's a story now. I mean, every time we we I say that
0: we now know we know who the elite
1: are, then then someone rears their head, and I suppose Colchester, given that, I mean, I was sitting the other day being like, me and you thought they were one of the best teams in the league, and you said no, he didn't, and now here we are again, being like, well, actually, maybe they are. Um, it's you know, it's it's really tough to. I mean, I was very surprised to see Mansfield um, get beat on the weekend. I must say. Um, I was also surprised I mean Lincoln's red card was a, was a massive uh, blow to them because I'm sure they'd have gone on to, to, to,
0: to get that win against Northampton had that not happened um, should have had a penalty at the end I, I really hate even mentioning referees I don't think there's much value in us discussing refereeing decisions but that was a particularly bad one um, and we did get tweeted about five times by Lincoln fans so yes we recognize it Lincoln fans you should have had a penalty um, you'd be mad not to recognise that. I'm sure they balance themselves out over the course yeah. of the season. <laughs> but the, uh,
1: the really, you know, the biggest result for me, I guess, of the weekend was um, in League 2 was the Forest Green-Knotts uh, County score. Uh, a huge result for both ends of the table. Um, Forest Green losing at home is a rarity. Uh, just when they're getting themselves in position for an automatic promotion push uh, was a big shock. And, and Notts County, you know, have now taken points... Three points off uh, off Green. They've taken a point off Lincoln, and the team that we all, you know, the crisis club that we spoke about after what happened with, with the owner, um, the team who couldn't buy a point for love nor money, are suddenly kind of r- r- getting themselves back into touching distance f- w- of the uh, of the rest of the league. And if Neil Ardley can pull this off, then uh, then it's going to you know be a massive feather feather in his cap. And and suddenly I, I think that they are. You have to put them back in the mix.
0: Yeah, we had a lot of, we've we had a lot of people saying, can they do it? Can they do it? Um, and it's only four points. Yeah, I think and there's can. 15 games to go. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's no denying. I mean, they're, they're, they're right in it. And given
1: the quality they have at their disposal, there's no reason why they can't get there pretty quickly.
0: The fans, in a sense, should feel quite lucky that their team was able to make the enforcements that they did in January. And. I wonder if they would have made the same enforcements if they were, let's say, 21st or 22nd, if it was slightly less desperate. Because, of course, the teams who are 21st and 22nd, and this is another real boon for county fans at the moment, the form of Yeovil, the form of Morecambe, even with a four, five, six points gap, you'd be so confident looking at those teams yeah. if you're not County now. Looking at the individual quality of Baldwin's winning goal, giving the defender the shoulder, dipping inside and curling it into the top corner. Exactly what we thought he was going to do consistently and he hasn't got going all season and he did pick up an injury mid-season but that's the quality that he has. Michael Doyle in midfield, probably the most under the radar signing uh, of the last few days of the transfer window. The, The... the ability that he has, quite a sight. I mean, most people talk about his character and his uh, experience. And of course, he's been part of two promotion teams from League Two in the last few years with uh, with Portsmouth uh, and with Coventry. But the quality that he has on the ball as well. I mean, the, the guy's an absolute pass master. Uh, that's what we thought David Vaughan would be. But it looks like Doyle's the one now. O'Brien, massive on the, week, on the weekend. Sorry, uh, there are huge positives. Now, it doesn't mean that they will stay up. Um, But to put together two performances like that against Lincoln, against Forest Green, um, shows that they're certainly not going anywhere. Um, Paul Scholes has been announced as the older manager. Now, uh, quite aside from the question of his involvement with Salford City and any conflict of interest there, uh, the EFL decided that it was not a conflict of interest... I don't think there's too much to argue about at the moment, uh, as the two teams are not in the same division. Um, something that we'll keep an eye on, of course. But generally, how excited are you for Paul Sculls to be older manager? Because I was saying to my mate earlier, we don't he's, care he's about we don't care about big. Who's your, don't get jealous? <laughs> <laughs> we don't care about big names, and we obviously don't care at all about the Premier League with our not the top twenty hats on. But it's very cool to have Frank Lampard. Sol Campbell uh, and Paul Skulls joining Sol in League Two. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see
1: how he gets on. Um, I think he's going to be good. I think he'll be good as well. I mean, it's obviously a, jo- a job that he wants. Um, he's going to inspire the players. Sol Campbell has shown that, that we shouldn't turn our nose up to these guys. It's just a, a bizarre. I, I, I feel like me and you should spend the summer speaking to all these legends and kind of creating an NTT 26 society with, uh, mm. you know, with, with Frank and, and Sol and and uh, and scozzy um but i mean who's I next think, well quite no <laughs> but, it's a good funny question. thing i mean this has been rumoured for ever since his first retirement so it's amazing that it's finally come off
0: um. i am i'm pretty sure because we uh, we became mates when we were like 9 10 11 whatever it was and we were massive football nerds we Were we were yeah. <laughs> yeah we were obviously now we're, we're just pure legends but i remember that was around the age i remember telling everyone that listened did you know that uh, Paul skulls is going to finish his career with a season at Oldham he's promised Oldham <laughs> because that that's his team that's the team he supports and of course that never happened I mean the, the bloke would have been injured within about three games uh, so that never happened so it's nice to see that um, although I wasn't quite right uh, we now see him take the dugout there's a great piece written by Gab Sutton uh, today on the racecom about uh, sort of uh, the first sort of few th- points of importance for skulls in order to uh, achieve with this oldham side let 's not forget it 's a side that 's done very well in the cup competitions this year struggled massively for consistency in the league find themselves in fourteenth place eight nine points off the playoffs and you have to say it being an unlikely. Um, playoff appearance uh, at this stage but with plenty of quality and they showed that on the weekend beating Crawley 3-0 away from home Crawley very good home side normally um, but with Callum Lang and Maush in midfield Machino with a fantastic goal Bronge with a fantastic goal um, we spoke about their slightly unusual recruitment and uh, on their day a lot of these players can, can sparkle at this level uh, and the jewel at the back in George Edmondson Someone that we like a lot as well. So fascinating to see how Scholes does. He's got his first game uh, in midweek at home to Yeovil. Um, Yeovil under, in all sorts of bother. They lost at home to Grimsby this weekend. Grimsby have now won three in a row. Uh, they won four in a row. Then they lost four in a row. And uh, Now they've won three in a row. So you can bank on them winning their next game. And after that, who knows? Tranmere beat Stevenage. That very much keeps Tranmere's. Playoff dreams alive. I know their fans have been a bit disappointed with, again, inconsistency, not being able to put together a winning run. Um, but that puts them just two points behind Tranmere. Six points off the playoffs. Uh, Norwood back in the goals. He reached 20. It was an unbelievable number for someone who's played so little uh, EFL football in his career. And, and you mentioned Colchester. Brilliant performances in the last two weekends. Uh, Courtney Senior's assist for the third goal. Um, shouldn't be allowed in League Two. That sort of skill, that sort of pace... Uh, It won't be long before he finds his way back towards the second uh, tier, for example, where he came from, a former Brentford youth team player. Uh, And we wanted to talk about Swindon as well, just to finish off. Before we do, Newport, what a week for them. Uh, Cup heroics on Tuesday, beating Borough. Uh, Then, despite presumably tired legs, or so we thought, beating Mansfield, um, as I said on Twitter Newport winning a tight game with a cleverly worked set piece. We have seen that before, and huge credit to, to Mike Flint. but also credit to Richie Wellens because Swindon went to MK Dons and they won. Yeah, and uh, you're getting a bit annoyed at how good Swindon are. I'm the not Richie getting Wellens. annoyed.
1: I mean, when, well, whilst they're in League two, I really couldn't care about them. More um, oh, nice, but uh, it's a huge game for them coming up against Forest Green uh, on Tuesday night because if they can win that one, then. then they're really uh, the form. I mean, it's amazing. I managed Can't to choose. Can Swindon make the playoffs? I managed we to, I managed to choose the one game. In that, in that Crawley game the one game under Richard Wellens where they didn't turn up for the betting show for yeah. but uh, yeah of course they can 8 points I think everyone it feels this season I don't know why it feels like everyone is almost talking in terms of like the season coming to an end now yeah we're like a long way away from the end 15 games there still. is loads still to happen 2 thirds so, gone idea is that a team who are currently how many points are they off 8 yeah 8 points off with 15 games to go absolutely they can do it mm. they, well, I mean, if, <laughs> well they win tomorrow night they're, they're 5 points off yeah They've got their game in hand and, and they'll be taking points off a team who are currently in, that, in one of the playoff positions. So, yes, they can. I hope they don't. Um, but, uh, yeah, big game coming up and, and a huge result for them on the weekend.
0: Playing some really nice stuff, uh, Richie Wellens. Lovely, uh, lovely goal from Keshi Anderson. Yeah, well, you're, this is where we Keshe. are different. You're, you liked the 25-yard banger. Um, I liked Michael Doughty... You love Michael Doughty. Who passes. That's that's what he does. He's a pass master. That was a lovely, really nice. (laughs) He he genuinely scored with two, well, with a pass from the edge of the box. Um, Absolutely beautiful. And then, a Penenka penalty. Um, Mm. Really nice touch as well to to put the icing on the cake. Doughty, definitely my my favourite player in League Two at the moment uh, in terms of his cheekiness, in terms of what he can do with the ball. He just looks a a cut above. So, um, really good stuff for Swindon. Um, MK Don's still scratching our heads really about this um, it, it's really difficult to put your finger on it certainly from my point of view I think um, George you'll agree um, we, 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 I, we wouldn't just sit here and say here is why MK Don's are on poor Form and here is what Paul Tisdale needs to do to turn it around it, it it it's very, very difficult to say, so we're not going to. Exactly. Um, but um, we hope you've enjoyed this podcast. Uh, it's, it's, um, it's an exciting week because we have a betting show on Thursday, of course, and we had our best ever week uh, on the betting show. So hopefully some of you who listened to that last week um, would have liked what you heard and maybe made a bit of money off the back of that. Uh, certainly uh, a very welcome good week, both of us in the green. I won five out of my six picks and George won four out of his six. So... You can um, hear the updated rankings on Thursday and our picks ahead of the weekend as well. Um, But also on Friday, I'm going to interview the next guest for NTT 20 Meets. And I think over the next month or so, we could be looking at a fair few NTT 20 Meets, maybe two, maybe three, maybe four out of stretch. So it'd be a good month for the pod. Thank you guys for your continued support of the podcast. We are very grateful for it. We love it and um yeah we're going to keep cracking on so keep joining us uh, keep tweeting us at ntt20pod follow us on instagram as well and uh, until thursday that's it from us